And we're back. And we're back. Steve, what did we do this weekend? Let the people know. I don't know who you're talking to. I am not to be referred to as Steve in the current juncture here. Could you please use my full title? Otherwise, I will not respond. Galactic Emperor Steven. What did we do this last weekend? That is so much better. Thank you. Oh, loyal subject. I hate well that. Done. I threw up in my mouth a little uh, bit. Yeah, but it's fine because I am the Galactic Emperor and you must refer to me as such henceforth. Until the well, next time. at least time. until I lose the next game. Until the next time. Uh, yeah, we played Twilight Imperium 4th Edition with Prophecy of Kings expansion. Uh, this was my fourth time playing the game and Justin's first as well as uh, the first time for the other four players we had joining us. Including one of our OG hardcore listeners. Shout out Sam. <laughs> oh, shout out Sam. Loves listening to us. And probably the only person that's told us that to our faces yet. So shout out Sam Barnes. But Sam did not win this game of Twilight Imperium. You did not win this game of Twilight Imperium. I won this game of Twilight Imperium. And did I have a three game experience log already? Yes, but that seemed to work to my detriment for most of the game, as you guys saw me as a really big threat because of my experience in this game. And somehow I was still able to pull out a victory last second. It took a bit of luck, took a bit of fortuitous rolling and some good timing, but that's how TI goes sometimes. And the cards happen to fall in my favor this time around. After going 0-3 in my first three games, I'm now 1-3, and and I'm the current reigning Galactic Emperor, and it feels so good. So Steve, uh, what is Twilight Imperium? Obviously, half of our listening base, Sam, will already know, (laughs) but for all of our thousands of fans out there who have never heard of this, what, uh, what is Twilight Imperium, and why is it such a big deal that you were able to pull out the win this time, and why are we making such a big deal out of this, out of this? Yeah, Twilight Imperium is an amazing board game. You know, it's not a board game. It is the board game. If somebody asked me what, you know, if I had to make a, you know, you remember that food pyramid that we had to learn back in elementary school, Justin? Oh, yeah. It's like a circle now or something. But yeah, I remember the pyramid. Well, yeah, who knows what the nutrition systems look like now. Everybody's eating crap anyway, so. (laughs) Um, But the analogy I'm trying to make is, a board game pyramid so or at least like a gaming pyramid um and on the bottom you would have you know simple card games like war go fish old maid and then as you work your way up you have like risk monopoly and the lower end of complexity for bigger board games as you go up you have root close to the top but at the very pinnacle at the very apex of this gaming pyramid is twilight imperium fourth edition this is a game about politics about backstabbery, about war, about making friends, about making enemies. It's just such a great experience overall. And the end goal is to be the ruler of the galaxy, to fill the void left by the crumbling Lazak's empire and to become the new emperor of the galaxy. You play as different races as each one tries to stake their claim uh, as the best option to rule moving forward. And... Fortunately, I was that race this time. I I played the Argent Flight. They are an expansion race that just got introduced recently with the newest 
Prophecy of Kings addition to the game. There's some some mean old bird boys. They got some some big cannons, some really good ships that are cheap. You can fly around and annoy people with. And they were just a really strong faction to play. I had a lot of fun playing. And I would have had fun. Let me, let me get this straight. I would have had a lot of fun regardless of whether I won or lost. But having won the game just made it all that much better. So this is the game... You know, you may have heard of it due to its length. This game took us, what, nearly 12 hours of play? I mean, we took a couple breaks in the middle for food, but easily double-digit hours and had the potential to go on longer, had some fortunate luck not happen at the end. But this is a behemoth of a game and was worth every single minute. And I just have to reiterate again, winning feels amazing. To, to put in that much time to a game, to ponder over the board for that many hours and to come out on top is just it's an indescribable feeling and I hope you experience it one day Justin just not against me so that you know what I'm talking about it's great honestly to call this a board game is doing a giant disservice to Twilight Imperium to take the event the experience that is spending time in this space world you know, in these ships and with these different alien races, to call this a board game is doing it a disservice because it is just so much beyond that. Obviously, we were doing a lot of stuff on the board. There's an actual board made of a bunch of tiles with planets and asteroids and things like that that you have to maneuver about and fight people and things like that. But my experience playing this for the first time was that the board was almost secondary to kind of what made it such an incredible experience and that was just the interaction like between the people and a lot of the table talk that went on off board the different goals that we had to achieve and the different trades that we were making and alliances and everything like that and I mean it it lasted 13 and a half hours which we ended up taking about an hour and 45 minutes total of breaks in in the middle for lunch and for dinner and just to walk around and and stuff because sitting down for that long is just insane everyone's brains were totally melted by the end and you know we had to take those breaks to stay sane and to stay alive but like it was an all-day affair and like you said had the potential to go longer depended how depending on how things shook out at the end and so i've played a lot of board games and i own a lot of board games and nothing comes close to the scope to the spectacle to the engagement that this did it's just a, an experience on a whole other level. It's an event. I mean, we planned this out, which granted might have been a bit a bit excessive, but we planned this out six weeks ahead of time, make sure everyone's schedule was free to be able to come down and spend literally an entire day, 9.30 to whenever we ended 11.30 or something like that. And it was just unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. The number of moments, the critical die roll for combat, the amount of like luck that's involved... And like hoping the luck breaks your way when you've spent five hours making these big plans and it all comes down to one die roll. Everyone was on their feet at the end of the game and there was screaming and there was jumping. And, you know, this was after 12 hours of sitting, committing our brains to just like one single thing. You know, we all should have been dead. We all should have been exhausted. And, you know, the most exciting parts were those climactic points towards the middle and towards the end. It was just, ah, it was so good. And, it pains me because I was uh, I was seconds away from winning, 
and just a couple moves there at the end gave it to you and uh and everyone was close everyone had a shot to win at the end yeah it was just incredible and we finished and I looked down at the board and was like let's set it up and run it again <laughs> I'm ready to spend the next 13 hours immediately in this in this world and just the stories that came out of it again the alliances and the conversation and the reckless attempt for victory that John one of our one of the guys playing tried for at the end that was his only shot at victory and ended up giving it to you just just so many moments that are going to stick in my head forever mistakes that I made and missed opportunities and you know the agony of defeat and the um, the thrills of even small victories that even if they didn't end up in a total win for the game ended up in just victories in the moment and it was just unbelievable immensely complicated immense hurt on your brain and even still an experience that like you look down and you look up and it's two hours later and you're like where did the time go so we finished um it was a relatively peaceful game you know there's a the game some people will look at it and call it space risk because there's a lot of plastic ships on a board and you're like technically at war with each other but we only ended up having a few actual battles during the whole game uh it was mostly just this cold war standoff like looking at each other daring each other to attack it was just really tense the whole time like you make an alliance and then are you willing to trust that and uh, just so engaging and even when it's not your turn you know sometimes it's 40 minutes between your turns because everyone else is doing their thing and it doesn't it didn't feel like it at all so i'm already ready for the next one i'm already looking ahead in my schedule and uh the, good, the best thing about it is that everybody felt the same way. Everybody's ready for the next one. There was no one that was stuck getting dragged along for the whole 13 hours, not having a good time. So we're going to have to have to find the time and set it up and run it again because it's, it's not a board game. It's an experience. It's an event on the level of planning to go to Six Flags or planning to go to Disney, something like that. Planning for the next TI day. So it's uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And you were asking me yesterday... Uh, what my top five board games are currently as I've you know built up quite a collection over the last year and a half in quarantine and we'll probably spend some time getting into some of the other ones at some points uh, but you asked me what my top five was and at this point I don't think I'm able to put it in the top five because a I don't really think it counts as a board game <laughs> um, just given the scope and the ridiculousness of it like comparing it to other games is a little bit unfair for them and then also just the fact that uh, you know it was it was the first play I have no doubt that after the next one, they will be probably number one, or at least as close to it as, as can get. So if you haven't played Twilight Imperium, hit up Steve and I, and we'll play it with you. Don't buy it yourself. It's incredibly expensive, and <laughs> uh, we have it and want to play it more. So the more people want to play it, we are always going to be down. So uh, hit us up, and we will come and <laughs> kick your butt. <laughs> I couldn't disagree more. Please go out and buy this game. I want more people to play Twilight Imperium, as many as possible, so that this game becomes more and more mainstream and everybody that I come into contact with knows how to play. I don't want a situation where there's a single person in the world who is unfamiliar with Twilight Imperium. This should be universal. Well, then go and buy it and then invite us to come play. So that way it achieves both. Yes, that's a way yeah, better there idea. There we go. Yes, that's exactly what I would suggest. Get, get on our level. Clearly, we've we've mastered the game already through one and four uh, playthroughs, respectively, and we're ready to take on all challengers. So come get these hands. 
definitely wait for a uh, Black Friday or Amazon Prime Day deal, something like that, because uh, we ended up shaving off about half the cost, which is not a small amount. <laughs> so, but you will not regret it because we we were talking about it. We're like, hey, we just spent an entire day, and it averaged out to about what for one play about twenty bucks a person, about which if you all go to Six Flags for a day, it's twice three times that. So for something with repeat value that will stick around forever, absolutely 100% worth worth any amount that it costs. So yeah, check it out. A glowing endorsement, five stars out of five. We're going to be talking about this again. Might see more and more into these future pods, but we just wanted to give a shout out to a great experience and a great game. And uh, I'm going to be practicing. <laughs> I'm going to be doing my research. I'm going to be practicing. I'm not losing again. Not losing again. It's too painful. Too painful to invest that oh, yeah. much time and effort to come so short. Come <laughs> so short. So close. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, there's always next time. Congratulations, Steve. Well played. Thanks. I really appreciate being on top. It's a thrilling feeling to be at the center of the galaxy for the time being until you know we play again. But who knows when that will be at this point. So for a currently indefinite period of time. It will be much sooner than between the ruler. my... Zeroth time in my first time, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping well, I'm hoping point, again at least but... twice before the end of the year. That's my goal. At least twice before the end of the year. We you do have to plan very far ahead, so Yeah, we'll 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 try to work more TI and other board game and stuff in here as well as we have lots of subjects that we like to just chit chat about, but that was just kind of the intro to the real meat and potatoes of today's episode, which is going to be about episodes five and six of marvel's what if series on disney plus last time we talked about episodes three and four which included the avengers all being killed by a vengeful hank pym in episode three and dr strange going off the deep end in episode four resulting in the near complete destruction of his universe and left him with just basically a jail cell of existence all by himself yeah it was two super dark episodes following two pretty light-hearted and fun episodes which were the first two captain carter and t'challa star lord were pretty light and fun had a lot of funny moments a lot of good action the good guys just totally dominated both of them and then it was followed by two like super dark ones i mean the good guys kind of won in three like they captured hank pym but like all the avengers got killed and then loki ended up taking over the planet so it ended up super dark and then obviously the one where Doctor Strange ended the universe is as dark as it could possibly get. So I really had no idea what to expect heading into five. Obviously the promos were all for the zombies and that ended up getting spoiled for me, unfortunately, which is why I don't watch the promos. People keep talking to me about it. <laughs> and if you're one of those people that talks to me about what happens, please stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really didn't didn't really know what to expect heading into it if it was going to be you know they overcame the zombies or the zombies ended up just taking over everything uh because the tone of the first four had been kind of all over the place which left me really intrigued heading into watching them because it showed that disney and whoever the showrunner is for what if is or, i mean it's a different person writing and editing or uh, directing each episode they have the willingness to kind of just go off the rails of what the typical mcu formula would be yeah, so I was very exciting heading heading into these, very excited heading into these last two episodes. And uh yeah, Steve, what were your what were your thoughts on the zombie one? The zombie episode was 
pretty crazy. I do agree with you about the tone of the show that it's kind of been all over the place, but I feel like it's been getting progressively darker. Doctor Strange to me was the darkest episode of the show, and I don't think the zombie episode <laughs> somehow, despite all of, almost all of our favorite heroes becoming brainless zombies, didn't seem to be as dark as the prior episode. There were still lots of, well, not lots of, there were still several heroes still as their old selves when this episode happens. And it seems like there was a tiny bit of hope at the end, although that was quickly snuffed out by the immediately following scene um, that actually ended the episode. So, um, the like you, I, I saw that the zombie episode was going to be part of the season. I didn't know it was going to be week five to me that seems like a concept that you could save for the finale of the show zombie avengers is like pretty big concept that i feel like that could have been easily finale material and and leave people wanting more going into the second season of what if but i gotta say based on my theory about how this season and this series overall is going to go i can definitely see it fitting here in the middle the thing that surprised me the most about this episode was actually when it takes place or when it might have taken place or I guess it did take place because these are actual universes that the watcher is observing so I was not expecting this to take place during infinity war and I mean this episode starts off with Bruce Banner getting shot back into the sanctum uh the same exact way he did in the beginning of infinity war except this time there's no Doctor Strange or Wong there to greet him Banner ends up being kind of ambushed isn't really the right word because it doesn't seem like they're after him specifically but he comes across Iron Man, Wong, and Doctor Strange already turned into zombies. He sees them in the shadows and he's like hey guys uh, and they take down some creature off screen and he's like oh way to go and they start like eating it and he's like oh that's uh it's a little overboard guys don't you think and that you know that's when the the lighting changes and it's revealed that they're zombies already which obviously insanely freaky to see the heroes that we know and love as zombie versions of themselves but one thing i thought was really cool here was that it appears that the zombie versions of our heroes can still retain the abilities of that hero like zombie iron man was still in the suit and flying and using the arc reactor technology zombie wong and strange were still able to use the mystic arts to some degree so it seems like the zombies are not entirely brainless but they keep some at least the knowledge of their prior form intact to be able to use their, you know, weaponry and abilities to some degree. But fortunately, Bruce Banner is saved by Hope Van Dyne and uh, her swarm of ants. Uh, they save the day by just eating all the flesh off these zombies, which was super creepy. And I can't believe that they put that in. Well, I guess we could we we can officially stop calling this a kids show. Like, I can't believe they put that in like a PG thirteen show like this just swarm of ants devouring zombie flesh off faces turning them to skeletons right in front of us like that was i mean i thought that was something they might have done off screen and just showed us the skeleton at the end and even that would have been pretty creepy but they showed us like the ants swarming over these characters and just devouring them it was pretty creepy to watch but she saves bruce as well as peter parker shows up and saves him as well there's a small crew of living heroes still alive and are scooping up Bruce to kind of help their cause as they try to find a cure for this zombie virus. Apparently this came into the world 
as a result of the actions in Ant-Man and the Wasp, where the main characters go into the quantum realm to save Janet Van Dyne. But in this universe, she had contracted a quantum virus, which I guess answers Scott's question from one of the, the movies where he says, you guys just put quantum in front of everything, which, uh, yes, apparently they do. I have no problem with that. If they want to just say quantum for almost any reason, there's no scientific explanation that would actually make it make sense. So if you want to chalk it up to quantum nonsense, like I have zero qualms about that. It's what if is the closest we've had to like an actual living like comic book, I would say. Um, with the animation and storyline that they've taken so far here. And comics just don't make sense if you think about them too hard. So I'm not just giving this a free pass for, you know, bad writing if they just say quantum stuff. But there is a degree of uh, suspension of disbelief that you have to have when, you know, reading comics and, and now watching comics unfold. So I, I didn't really care that they use the same <laughs> terminology for almost everything. But yeah, we this is now the second episode where Hank Pym is responsible for like the end of the world although this one is you know not his fault it's a little bit more of an accident but <laughs> yeah uh the pims and the van dynes unleash zombie hell on earth and apparently the avengers just had like the world's dumbest plan like we see a cut scene of them landing from a quinjet trying to take on a zombie horde and you know most of our uh heroes get taken into the zombie army i guess is what you want to say they, be they become zombified and like, I just, I can't understand that plan. Like what, where's the logic in trying to send like six, albeit, you know, stronger heroes to go fight zombies hand to hand. Like only bad things can happen there. It doesn't make sense to me. That was just a super bad plan. That's where Tony Stark being a genius has to just hole up and make an antidote. Cause he clearly would be able to, cause he's a genius. He can make anything. Right. So like, why, <laughs> why go and fight them? Like, would their first response not be, hey, let's cure these people? Like, obviously, there's a time, like, a ticking time bomb because the zombies are going to keep rampaging while that's going on. But also, Iron Man has, like, his drones and everything. I, I, I don't know if he technically has made Edith at this point. I guess not. But he would have some, like, <laughs> drone army or some, like, ability to affect without him physically going out there and exposing himself. Or just fly above the zombies and shoot them from the sky. Like... <laughs> anyone who's a hand-to-hand -hand, that like, was another thing Black that made zero sense to me like iron man is in the iron man suit how did the zombies yeah. bite him like does, how like, does that you're telling me that the you know the bleeding edge armor was able to get overcome by just zombies like that thing made thanos bleed and like he, what did he take his face mask off yeah on purpose to let them in like that didn't make sense to me i also feel like wong and dr strange would be way better at stopping zombies like there's why couldn't they just make like a little portal and then shoot them off like into space like i don't know how they must have gotten caught off guard but we see iron man landing with the, the other avengers like fighting hand to hand so like that's when he must have gotten turned and it, it didn't make sense but clearly everybody turned their brains off for that idea yeah because he's dumb that was just horrific from the jump so I mean, the, um, the the funniest thing to me thinking about that was, like, Black Widow going up and doing her, you know, legs around the head, like, flip thing to a zombie, and then just getting bit. It's like, bro, what is, what is wrong with you? Like, oh, my, even, like, Cap. Dude, if your main thing is hand-to-hand, -hand, just don't do it. Like, this is something that actually I've had a thought of the last couple of days, right? This is a bit of a tangent, but 
I had been thinking that I've actually had a couple of contradictory thoughts about the MCU, and I'm willing to come clean about them, right? Specifically with the Battle of Wakanda, we'll say, in the regular Infinity War, right? One of my big issues was that Bucky, you know, the White Wolf, or I, guess, I don't know if he's technically at that point called the Winter Soldier or the White Wolf, but he, you know, is a super soldier, and he, in that battle, gets relegated to, like, standing there and shooting, right? Which, like, for me is an underuse of the character, a bit lame given his abilities and his strength and everything. But then I also have complained, why the heck do the Wakandans not just stand and shoot the whole time? Why do they go and fight hand-to-hand? And I had this realization the other day where I was like, wait a second, Captain America should be shooting a machine gun too. Like, Bucky's body count is way higher for sure. Even with the super soldier serum, it's not going to be better than like an M16. And so I, I had this realization, I'm like, Black Widow should have one. I mean, Hawkeye should have one. That would just be way, make way more sense. And so, you know, this whole time I was like, why are they underutilizing Bucky? Which I still think as a character they've underutilized him. But then I'm like, wait, why does, like, Steve Rogers not just have a machine gun in this battle too? Like, it's way, makes way more sense. And so specifically here against the zombies, like, why would you go in and fight hand-to-hand? Like, even if you're a super soldier, even if you're the Hulk, something is going to scratch you or bite you at some point. Just stay back, shoot. Right, like, why why even risk it? Like, just give everybody just <laughs> a big-ass gun and then go to town. Like, you just set up turrets and this is one of the well this is a complete tangent here but one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies is pacific rim it is written so poorly and the dialogue is terrible and nothing makes sense but you get to see giant robots fighting giant aliens but my issue with that movie right is they know where the kaiju are coming from in the pacific ocean why do they make giant robots that like fight them one-on-one that have like big guns on them. Why wouldn't you just make like a bunch of turrets and aim them at the breach where you know they're coming from? Hello, <laughs> this is just the obvious solution. Clearly it wouldn't have made for a more entertaining movie, but this is the logical step that would have been taken. Like there's no reason to have coastal cities each protected by their own Jaeger when you could just save way more money and be way more efficient by just putting a ton of those laser cannons pointed right at the breach. But they have to go have cool hand-to-hand combat, I guess. So, you know, logic is thrown out the window. But yeah, maybe Bucky is actually the smartest Avenger, dude. He's he's just posted up with a big gun and he's just putting in work. Him and War Machine and Falcon probably had the biggest body counts out of the uh, anybody in Infinity War at the um, uh, Battle of Wakanda because they just had insane... Uh, munitions available to them so yeah absolutely dude yo we got to write our own action movie script it would be boring and over in 10 minutes but we could definitely write a more logical one at least yeah, where all the characters are just smart and make the right decisions yeah the movie would be over exactly yo, uh, like a like a horror movie like let's not go in that abandoned barn how about that we'll just stay out where it's well lit near the police station and we'll be good to go yeah yeah it's like that 10 minutes oh, what is oh. that commercial um it's Geico, right? What is it? There's like Snickers or Geico. It's like, oh, you, you make bad decisions. Oh, it's like oh, when you're in a horror movie, you make bad decisions. It's what you do. Yeah, yeah it is Geico. Uh, and they're like, why can't we just get in that running car? He's like, are you crazy? Let's hide behind those rusty chainsaws. There's <laughs> <laughs> like complete yeah. stupid illogical moves that if they didn't happen, the movie wouldn't happen. So I guess it makes sense like for the plot. But again, like just... Beyond stupid plan by the Avengers here. And the the result is that basically everybody in the world 
you know, there might be some holdouts here and there across the, the planet, but we never see any of them aside from the pocket of main characters that are left. So they're on their way to try to find a cure for this zombie virus. And they're tracking a signal coming from Camp Lehigh, which is where Captain America like takes place for a lot of the movie, as well as uh, that's the place where they go back in Winter Soldier to find Zola's kind of computer essence living there. And finally, they go back again in Endgame uh, when Steve and Tony travel back through time to grab the Tesseract and Pym particles. Now, what they find there, unfortunately, is not a cure, but they find Vision doing experiments with his Mind Stone. And they find alive versions of Ant-Man and T'Challa. And I say versions because uh, Ant-Man is actually just a head. So he's like a Futurama head in a jar that is just cracking jokes the whole time, which I loved Paul Rudd just doing whatever he wanted this episode. But we find T'Challa is there with like one leg. And what our you know heroes find out is that Vision, sort of in the inverse situation uh, from WandaVision, which we just saw, Vision could not bear to lose Wanda in this universe. Now, she's been zombified, but what he's doing, because he's not, you know, flesh and he's not a threat to them, um, he's been... You can't get zombified either. Correct, yeah. correct. So he's been luring people to Camp Lehigh to basically feed Scarlet Witch and keep her, I guess, alive in her zombie form, which was just so creepy. That was, like, I did not expect to see a reverse of WandaVision, like, so soon after the show has already come out. But this was just, like, terrifying. Well, and, he, and he's able to justify it because Vision is supposed to be, like, the completely logical computer brain, right? And he's able to justify it because he says, well, she is not out turning anyone else into zombies if I keep her here and satisfied, right? Which, obviously, it's getting clouded by... He has a capacity for emotions more than what he's technically supposed to, just being ones and zeros. And so... Obviously, he still is in love with her and is hoping that there'll be some way to fix it. Or at least he can't bear to kill her, which would be the logical solution to prevent her from hurting anybody else would be just to kill her, right? But he can't bear to leave and he can't bear to kill her, uh, which is fascinating because she, you know, in the in the actual Infinity War, she has that really difficult choice where she has to kill him to prevent greater harm by letting Thanos get the, the Mind Stone, which obviously ends up not working but she has to deal with that and here we see a reversal where in order to prevent harm to the public good he has an opportunity to kill her and he decides not to but rather to keep luring people in and feeding them bit by bit so we presume and we can get a sense that that's what happened with scott um it's never officially says that but given that he's just a head left either and then had been a zombie and had decomposed and then vision was able to cure him or the whole rest of his body had already been fed to Scarlet Witch, and we're not explicitly told which. Um, but then we see T'Challa is missing, you know, parts of some of his limbs, and he clearly is just being fed bit by bit, uh, which is, like, yeah, super gross and super, super dark. Like, it's just, it's crazy, yeah, how, uh, yeah, how adult these have gotten so quickly. All of our heroes that show up, which a few of them got zombified on the way, <laughs> And we uh, saw a couple of other friendly, no longer friendly faces. Like we had a Bucky versus Steve, a uh, human Bucky versus zombie Steve face off um, and a couple other moments like that. But 
the ones that survive and make it to the camp are like first they're happy to see vision and then they're like hold up what the heck is going on here um and they're like hold up wait a minute something ain't right uh-huh and so they're like well clearly the antidote is not here but like vision seems to know where it is or that there is one still and they're like dude like there has to be a better way than you keeping people prisoner and feeding them bit by bit to to wanda and they have uh, a bit of a back and forth there where vision realizes he's like oh wait you're totally right <laughs> but i also can't be the one to kill wanda so instead what he does is he rips out the mind stone by himself and he kills himself rather than killing her and uh our heroes you know get it and the mindset has been keeping the zombies away from the compound away from camp lehigh you know so the the mindstone clatters to the ground and vision's dead and they're like oh shoot well we gotta take this and run because <laughs> now scarlet witch is coming after us and you know they start running away as the zombies all start closing in and she like blows off the roof and and everything and it's like a pretty crazy scene it had me really itching to see what was what was going to happen next? It seemed like a really good, like, first act, first act and a half, first act and a half of, like, a a, a movie or, like, a full-length running TV show. Yeah, I was fully expecting way more out of this episode because as Vision, you know, plucks a stone out of his own head, which, haunting. I mean, he was screaming as he does it, and, you know, just the same imagery of Thanos plucking the stone out, like, it was nothing. Flashes through your mind. It's It's just crazy to see how many times... Vision has died in the MCU now. And you know, I always think, oh, poor Vision, he's died the most. And, it, you know, initially, you know, we've seen him die just plenty of times um, at this point. You know, as Jarvis in Age of Ultron, you know, we thought Ultron killed him. Um, then he comes back as Vision. And now Vision has been killed multiple times on screen. I always got to remember that Doctor Strange still has the highest like, oh, yeah. death count at the end of his own movie. Where it, you know, it's assumed that he died to Dormammu like thousands, uh-huh. if not millions of times before Dormammu got like aggravated you know it, it doesn't necessarily show them all the same emotional degree that visions deaths do but mm-hmm. yeah visions bit the dust you know a number of times and each one doesn't hurt any less than the last but his last last act is to essentially give our remaining heroes which at this point is peter parker you know what's left of t'challa scott lang's head and the cloak of levitation that's pretty much everybody that's left everybody else died or you know was zombified along the way and their only recourse at this point is to go to Wakanda, which, because of its vibranium shield around the country, or at least the capital city, is kind of the last bastion of human life on the planet. And we see them flying into Wakanda with a little bit of hope that, you know, they might be able to find the cure with the Mind Stone and, and save the world. And the episode seemed to be ending on, you know, a fairly positive note, you know, as things play out somewhat predictably from there. Until the final shot where it brings back around the fact that this is happening during Infinity War. And we see a shot of zombie Thanos with five stones in his Infinity Gauntlet. Which is just like the most ridiculous frame to end an episode on. Like how is that (laughs) the finale of the episode? I wasn't paying attention. I was so drawn into the, the episode that I was not paying attention at all to how long it had been. And it was mind blown that it had already been, you know, 30 whatever minutes into the episode and it was over already i you know even more than than last week or prior weeks where there seems to be another threat i think actually not necessarily last week but episode two where you know thanos is no longer a threat after t'challa you know changes his mind out in space but we see ego and quill linking up 
and this is a much different Quill that would likely be coerced by his dad and lead to Ego destroying the universe. And so both these episodes, I'm I'm wanting to see the conclusion to the story, and they're just completely yanking the rug out from under us at the end. And this is where I, I'll talk about my my theory for the show here uh, before we get into episode six. But clearly, all these are connected as a watcher, as is is uh, observing them and narrating everything as it goes along. And these are you know it's animated, but these are real universes that he's observing. They're just being you know shown to us in an animated format. So. These things are happening slash have happened in universes across the multiverse. And the Watcher being the one constant throughout. Obviously, he was basically a narration device for the first three episodes. And then episode four, he has the interaction with Strange as his universe is collapsing. Mm -hmm. So first actual dialogue with another character. As well as each episode, he's been getting more and more clear in the background. He kind of started off as just a vague shadow looming over the events that you'd see once or twice an episode and now he's visible clearly on the horizon like looming large a nearly opaque figure that you know you wouldn't be at all surprised if somebody was just in the foreground and just turned around and was like hey what's that guy doing there like he's so obvious that he's observing and is present for all these events and my theory is that these universes that have had terrible things happen to them you know, he's watching these things happen and he's like, listen, these these can't continue to go on. I and, and he's mentioned multiple times that he's not able to interfere or won't interfere for whatever reason. I think he's going to break that rule at some point. He's going to interfere. He's going to affect events one way or the other. And I would love to see him kind of sew up all these stories. You know, if he has to do essentially what happened in Doctor Strange's universe in episode four and like compress it until everybody is is destroyed like if that's the only way to save the entire universe from this zombie outbreak on earth plus zombie thanos about to snap away you know half of existence as is i mean there's got to be some conclusion to that story I, I can't believe that they would just write you know nine halves of stories and then leave them all unanswered you know it's possible that they would return to them in season two but i would really love to see a, a complete season here which involves the watcher stepping in and stopping these events from being permanent or at least has some sort of conclusion to these because i mean this episode and you know we'll get to the finale of six as well but especially like three uh, i'm sorry uh two and five here have been very open-ended as to what might happen and leave us with intriguing questions that have not been answered in the slightest so far so i would love to see that happen i have zero basis for thinking that would be (laughs) the case other than the evidence that I've laid out, but I would really like to see that happen. You know, these are very entertaining, just one-offs, but I would like to see them come together into something a little bit more meaningful. And I think that seems like a very Marvel thing to do. So we'll see what happens, but that's, that's my theory. I hadn't noticed until this episode that all the episodes leave off in a kind of an unsatisfactory way, uh, or at least in a very open-ended way, maybe not unsatisfactory, but the first episode ends with Captain Carter in the real world, present time, open-ended, boom, what happens next? The next one, the second one ends, like you said, with Ego popping in at the at the Dairy Queen or whatever it was, open-ended. The third one, Loki takes over, open-ended. Number four was the only one that really hasn't ended that way because the universe collapsed in on itself and that was the end, right? So 
That one was really the only one. Right. So that's the only yeah. one. Yeah. That's the only one that's felt relatively sewn up to me. The only difference is now that there's there's just some tiny universe where a supremely powerful Doctor Strange is just like hanging out, drowning in his own grief. Yeah, but I hadn't I hadn't noticed that they ended that way. Like I hadn't finished off any of them thinking, wait, why is there not more until this episode? Um, this one just seemed to end so like stark in the middle, kind of out of nowhere. Like the other three had conclusions and then a slight like pro uh, epilogue, basically, right? Like Captain Carter sacrificed herself, pushed the tentacle monster in finale conclusion and then the last little minute the second one ended where you know they beat the collector and saved everyone and then t'challa went home boom conclusion and then a little bit at the end the third one you know they capture hank pym boom conclusion and then loki at the end right and then this one was the only one that there wasn't really like even a conclusion it's like okay we got the stone and now we're off to do the third act to go and get a, a cure at Wakanda. And then it just ends out of nowhere with the Thanos thing. And so, um, you know, one thing that we had been talking about as a complaint of the show, if complaint's the right word, is just how, like, fast they've had to move through the story in each week since they're only 30 minutes. And um, this was one that, like, really jumped out to me as that being the case. Um, it felt like a pretty incomplete story, which... You know, they all have been to a degree or so, and so I really am hoping that this ends up being something that all ties together a bit more, because I think on a rewatch, it will be much better, and I really like this episode still. I thought Zombies was really cool. Zombies, Marvel Zombies, was a comic series that I read in middle school. It was in the middle school library, and I read that thing, like, all the way through, because, you know, it had a, a couple graphic novel novels with it and a few comics, and you know, it just happened to be in the comic section, and I read it, and it was, like, one of my favorite, one of my favorite comics, uh, and it was really cool seeing it on screen, the type of thing that I almost wish was, like, a whole movie, or even a couple movies, but very happy to see it here, but it did really come out of nowhere, the ending, and so it is, it does make me hope that it all wraps together some point in this season, or at the very least, gets continued, like, maybe in season two, if each episode gets mirrored, although i suspect that that would not be the case i would suspect that they would do more what ifs based on the stuff that comes out between now and then uh, as a lot more content's going to be put into the mcu so i think it was a fun like twist ending but it wasn't even really an ending it was just like they had another scene and then just cut it off in the middle of of the story um like we don't even see them reach wakanda obviously they probably do but i don't know it seemed like it could have used an extra 10 minutes which we've said about all of them but i think this was the most severe example of that and so it left me off with a bit of mixed feelings, even though I enjoyed it all the way through, just the way it ended so suddenly. I was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> um, and so I, I hope you're right. And I hope that the Watcher does connect it all somehow, because he really has like been showing up more and more and has more presence in each episode. I mean, even if he doesn't technically interact with anyone other than the Doctor Strange one. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I still suspect, given just that it's the MCU that it will tie in together. I don't know if they'll be able to resist, but, you know, we've made a couple of horribly wrong predictions about this so far. <laughs> you know, it being a kid show, and then also, this was the first week that we had a repeat character. We had a few of them, actually, and um, this was the first time that a character showed up again, which was something that 
we had talked about or I had brought up last week. And then in the next episode, we see another <laughs> returning character. So as we move into talking about episode six, T'Challa sets the record with being in three out of the six episodes when no other character is in more than two. So shout out to him. Well, aside from, <laughs> you know, the Watcher well, himself. Well, but the Watcher that seems count. like cheating. You know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can get right into the episode here. So this episode is, is what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark? And this one goes all the way back to Iron Man 1. And the, the Nexus event here, I guess we don't really know the true Nexus event um, as it could have you know happened years before to lead to this scenario. But as Tony Stark's SUV convoy in Afghanistan is attacked by terrorists before he's captured, he's saved by Killmonger, who as part of a uh, his Navy SEAL undercover operations had been infiltrating the Ten Rings and you know uncovered the plot to uh, capture him and and use him to arm you know the Ten Rings with Jericho missiles and and all kinds of weaponry. So he saves Tony from that fate, and as a result, you know there's there's nothing that pierces Tony's heart, you know, uh, and he doesn't have to build you know, the arc reactor in the cave and he doesn't have to build the Iron Man suit ever. And also, you know, one of the big things I think is his character actually changes because he never learns his lesson that like, you know, maybe <laughs> funding war is bad and creating weapons for people to destroy each other with is bad because he comes back from, you know, his trip and he's like, listen, I saw people using our weapons to, you know, destroy American soldiers. And, you know, our solution has to be to just be bigger and better than they are. So he kind of doubles down on his, you know, original ideology instead of flipping it entirely, which clearly leads to, you know, a different universe, you know, with no Iron Man. Obviously, the entire sequence of events that follows is completely different. But by saving him, Killmonger kind of earns Tony's trust as they become friends, I guess you could say, or, you know, at least, you know, buddies. They bond over their father issues as well as you know, he keeps promoting Killmonger within his organization. You know, he starts off as like a head of security. You know, there's a funny quip from Happy where he's like, oh, that was supposed to be my promotion. As well as Killmonger, you know, of, reveals Obadiah Stane's involvement in the plot uh, to, you know, kidnap or kill Tony, which, you know, he brings receipts, you know, he brings, you know, video and, and digital evidence. So it's undeniable for Stane, but that, you know, just endears him to Tony further. And he actually gives... Killmonger, um, Stane's old position as like COO, I think. Yeah, which is funny because like Killmonger has no like business experience or anything like that. It's kind of funny how he how he does that, but you know whatever. Yeah, I mean he even says that he says I'm not much of a business guy. He's like I'm more of a warrior, and you know Tony's like maybe that's exactly who we need like in this position. And I'm like, yeah, it seems like a bad idea, but he always you know, has been an impulsive whatever. person, so not not unbelievable. <laughs> They end up working together on an idea that Killmonger pitches Tony of, you know, his, like you mentioned previously, like his, his drone army. So kind of taking stuff from, you know, Black Panther and Iron Man and even Iron Man 2, where Whiplash creates the drone army. Killmonger convinces Tony that this is the way to move forward with weapons technology and warfare in general. <laughs> There's a great line in here where... Tony says that the schematics that Killmonger had drawn up kind of look like a, a Gundam. And, you know, Killmonger is like, hey, what? I like anime. Uh, which I thought was a really great nod to Michael B. Jordan, you know, who returns to voice himself. 
or to, to voice you know Killmonger in this episode. You know he's notoriously a big anime fan as well as it's hard to to catch in live action because you know it's it's so different from animation sometimes. But Killmonger's outfit in Black Panther, you know the blue armor with the the yellow chest plating is clearly modeled off Vegeta from Dragon Ball. And I don't know how I couldn't pick that up, obviously, with the live action. Because in retrospect, it's like, oh, forehead slap. Hadoi, they look exactly the same. Um, but it's so it stood out to me even more in the animated version that we see here. I was like, that could easily just be Vegeta. And they even have like similar you know, ideologies as you know, royalty and the way that they think about carrying out their duties and the privilege that they have as well as like the right that they believe that they have to carry out you know the war in in whatever way they see fit so i thought that line was great but we also see killmonger betray tony and kill him with a vibranium spear uh later on so all this that killmonger is doing is is obviously to set up a backstab because tony's character might have changed but killmonger is still a skeevy conniving you know backstabber at heart and before before we see him kill tony uh he he tells tony hey like our tech isn't working and it doesn't seem to be working and he's like we need vibranium for it and so tony sends him on this this mission to do an arms deal with ulysses claw who we know that killmonger has already been in contact with and they send Rhodey instead uh to be like the liaison and killmonger essentially uses tony's money to buy like all sorts of vibranium to help build these robots but black panther shows up and tries to disrupt the trade because you know claw was the one who had stolen all that vibranium and so he was a vigilante or not a vigilante but he was like a a criminal on the run from wakanda and so black panther shows up to disrupt it and in that skirmish killmonger ends up killing both Rhodey and t'challa and so poor t'challa ends up you know biting the dust and killmonger goes back and claims that it just went went bad and then ends up killing tony once tony starts getting suspicious and so we see that he like keeps killing people and then somehow no one like looks at like okay who's the only person that survived all of these encounters like (laughs) that has been there and just showed up in the last couple months as well um we see thunderbolt ross is like as soon as uh excuse me as soon as tony stark ends up being dead we see that thunderbolt ross the the general uh he just claims the right to like the wartime right to tell stark industries that they have to make new weapons for the military and that all they have to produce all of the drones because pepper is super suspicious she's like i don't trust this no way and he's like well tony was killed with a wakandan spear so we're going to war with wakanda which at this point they still think wakanda is like this third world country so (laughs) they're getting all decked out to go and fight what they think is like a super primitive you know population which is kind of funny to me but uh he ends up saying like we're basically wartime commandeering this company and we're gonna put into production all of these drones that killmonger killmonger wanted to be made and so he's kind of just getting what he wants and you just look around and you're like 
you know, Pepper is suspicious, but everyone else is just going along with it. You're like, guys, come on, like, <laughs> clearly something's up here. Um, but they go along with it, and um, yeah, he ends up showing up in Wakanda a bit ahead of time before the U.S. drone army ends up showing up, uh, and he kills Claw on the way and brings him in just like he did in Black Panther, saying, hey, uh, this is my sign to you that I am loyal to Wakanda. This is my sign that I'm loyal to Wakanda. I killed this traitor uh, or this thief who stole all this vibranium from you that you've been wanting to kill or capture for a while. So here's this, plus the U.S. Army is coming, and I know how to stop these drones. You just have to let them in, and then shut the shield, and then all of their radio waves or whatever it is that connects them to the controller will like shut down, and they won't be able to function. So the Wakandans accept him, say, oh wow, thank you, you've come home, and kind of adopt him. The king, T'Chaka, kind of adopts him as a second son not knowing that he was the one that killed T'Challa. And they think it was the Americans, and the Americans think that Tony Stark was killed by the Wakandans, which is kind of interesting to me why Tony Stark being killed, like, would lead to a war. It's not like he was the president or, like, an official. Like, obviously he's a big deal, but, like, one person getting killed, even someone as big as Tony Stark, wouldn't lead to an international war. But regardless... right. Well, so the reason that it gets escalated as such is because Killmonger kills him with a vibranium spear, which is then blamed on the Dormilaji, who famously used... Well, I guess they're not famous because they know know, nobody Wakanda, knows anything though. about Wakanda, yeah. but the Dormilaji, you know, use, you know, the vibranium spears. So, you know, Killmonger blames it on them. But yeah, I mean, again, it's like you said... It wouldn't lead to a war. It wasn't like it was a U.S. like politician or like the president or something. It was a person. Right. You know, it, it clearly, you know, gets escalated very fast for the sake of the episode's runtime here. But, but yeah, I mean, it goes to what you said. Like, all these people die around Killmonger as he shows up mysteriously with seemingly a heart of gold. And then, you know, all these people around him die under mysterious circumstances and he makes it out every time. Seems like there'd be more than a couple people that would pick up on, you know, the shadiness that's going on. But by the end of the episode, only Shuri and Pepper Potts are even concerned about his scheming. Everybody else seems to be totally taken by him and, and on his side. But yeah, I mean, you know, the episode ends with Killmonger having become, you know, the new Black Panther, anointed by T'Chaka. And I mean, they, they have a big battle with the drones inside Wakanda. You know, Killmonger ends up, you know, fighting on the Wakandan side. So he endears himself to them even more for helping defend the nation that he only just came into recently. And so, you know, he seems to be playing like eight dimensional chess here, which, you know, is crazy. But the episode ends with the U.S. preparing for, like, a full-scale invasion of Wakanda, which, I mean, it seems like they would lose that just because, I mean, Vibranium seems to trump everything. But, I mean, the U.S. military is no joke. And with Ross at the helm, you know, there's probably going to be no quarter given. So, you know, I, I this episode, you know, a, another one that ends with seemingly no resolution as, you know, the final shot is, like, Shuri and Pepper talking about what they can do to expose Killmonger to the world and show his treachery. But like, we don't see the war. We don't see anything that comes as a result of that. And so Killmonger like rising to like Black Panther rank and, you know, being at the center of what's sure to be like the biggest war the earth has ever seen, you know, between two nations seems just again, like a, a an incomplete story. 
and I would love to see this get wrapped up in some way by the watcher. Even if the finale is just eight five minute bits, or I guess it wouldn't that would be forty minutes, so eight like three and a half minute bits where he just goes around and like fixes every single episode that came before. Like I wanna see conclusions to this. That would probably be a terrible episode now that I say it out loud. But like I want to see the stories that are being told here, you know, be concluded. Even if they're in a non satisfactory way or like the good guys lose. Like if the prior episode ended with just, you know, zombie Thanos beating them to Wakanda, getting the Mind Stone and snapping half of the universe either out of existence or if zombie Thanos has different machinations in mind. Like just seeing what would come as a result of the story. I feel, I don't want to say let down because I'm, I'm very intrigued by these, but I'm, I'm feeling led on by them not concluding. And it seems very unmarvel like to do that to the audience. And I would love to see conclusions here. Yeah, those are the type of things, the open-endedness, the open-endedness is something that happens when they have a sequel coming, or when they have a plotline that will be continued in another story, right? And we don't know for sure that that will be the case. I think to clarify what you were saying, the lack of an ending, lack of a conclusion, is not because it seems like the bad guys are winning, right? That That is not why, like, there's, there's an issue here. If the bad guys win, great. It's fresh, it's unique. If there's a conclusion and the bad guys win, I'm all for it. And I think you would all be all for it as well, not to put words in your mouth. But I think it's not the fact that in the last couple episodes, the darkness seems to be winning. Although that has been the trend over essentially all of the episodes so far, minus the first one and kind of the second and third. That's not the issue. We love the end of Infinity War. And honestly, I think it would have been pretty sick if they just ended the MCU after Infinity War. But it's about the fact that they're just like, stopping in the middle of scenes that seem like they're leading on to more and so uh, i agree i i hope that they are able to come back to these and wrap them up or connect them all in a way that ends them all together or something like that because i i think it's interesting that they're leaving it up seemingly to our imagination how these things end like obviously if they're sticking with a half hour they're not going to be able to bring a satisfying conclusion without rushing even more but the fact that they're kind of especially these last two leave on it seems like in the middle of a scene, essentially, that's like, man, I really hope that they, I really hope that they come back and are able to wrap it up nicely. And whether that's the watcher stepping in or something else, who knows, but I guess we'll just have to, have to wait and see. It definitely is leaving me intrigued for the next ones, although, um, yeah, I do think this is potentially the least interested I've been heading into the last third of a season compared with the other three MCU Disney Plus shows as of this point. Um, just I think the fact that there's not one as far as we're aware like continuous narrative that's building to something while I've enjoyed every episode individually I think it does it doesn't give the same pull to like I have to watch the next episode that the last three shows did which maybe that's not the intent of it it's supposed to be lighter lighter in the sense of like a continuous like in-depth story Um, not lighter in terms of mood (laughs) maybe that's the case but that's kind of just where I'm where I'm at right now with regards to the show. So I've enjoyed and I will enjoy, I'm pretty sure, every episode, but it doesn't it's not giving me that same pull, like, oh, I can't wait to see how this season ends that the last few have had. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I I, I agree that it's not necessarily I can't wait to see what happens next. It's more of a let's wait and see what happens next. Because, you know, it's totally possible, if my theory is correct, that this is gonna be building to one you know, narrative where everything comes together in the end. But with this show, you know, we are still waiting to see if this is 
going to have any sort of impact on the main MCU storyline being, you know, the live action uh, plot that we've been following for 10 years at this point. If that gets revealed, I think that makes the show 50 times better if everything is connected at the end. And again, I don't see how these like can't be with the watcher in the background for every episode and having interacted with the main character already. I strongly feel that that will be coming in the next couple weeks, but with no guarantee of that. And then even if it does tie in together with no guarantee that that will have any impact on the rest of the universe going forward, uh, or I guess, you know, at this point, the rest of the multiverse going forward, it's hard to get as invested for this as the prior shows, even if, you know, again, this show has been like technically incredible. The animation, voice acting, everything has been stellar. It's just that if it if it doesn't connect, it's just more of like a nice side dish or like even appetizer compared to the main course of, you know, the, the main plot that we have. Again, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm disappointed in the show because I'm really, like this is exactly what I was expecting. Like I, I said to myself before the show started, mm-hmm. even if this is just nine episodes that are all separate and just tell interesting stories on their own and don't connect or affect anything else, like I'm still going to enjoy it most likely because of you know Marvel storytelling ability and the animation and you know just quality that they're going to bring to the show. Um, but I will enjoy it. Like I said, fifty times more if this does tie in together. Mm-hmm. This whole first season is one story that's, you know, being told separately but comes together. And if it, you know, has some impact on the overall universe, that'd be incredible. But again, we'll wait and see. We'll see with episode seven coming out, you know, just in a couple of days here at the time of recording, we will see what that has in store. Maybe we'll give indications to where the, the season's headed, but we do have to remember that there is a season two of this already greenlit and, you know, probably already being worked on. So, you know, similar to how Loki ended with a very open-ended finale, I could see a similar thing happening with What If, where, you know, maybe they tie it in together, but don't conclude the whole story so that there's more room for storytelling down the line. But we will have to wait just alongside the rest of you guys and figure it out together. Steve, hear me out for a second. I want to be clear, this is not a prediction. This is not going to happen. I can virtually guarantee this. But as a thought experiment, right? Black Panther 2 is coming out at some point down the line. I don't know if we've gotten a date for it or a year even, but it's coming out at some point down the line. And of course, with the tragic and unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman, T'Challa, and they've already announced T'Challa will not be recast, right? So they're going to have to have something else fill in, someone else fill in, likely an existing character fill in as Black Panther, right? Imagine a scenario where Black Panther 2 is in a separate universe and rather than picking up after Endgame or whatever, it picks up at the end of this episode. So they bring back Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger, as the Black Panther, with T'Chaka still alive, in Wakanda, with Shuri and Pepper working against him and the U.S. Army about to come attack Wakanda. That, that does a couple things. Right, It A, brings back Michael B. Jordan, which I think every single person who watched Black Panther thought he was one of the best parts of the movie. Everybody loved him. A lot of people have wanted Killmonger to come back in some capacity. And it solves the issue of Chadwick Boseman not being able to act as T'Challa, right? Because T'Challa already died in this universe. And it like cements what if as being canon, even though we've been told that it is. 
it like is a firm tie-in and with the multiverse about to expand it totally could fit in obviously i don't think this is going to happen i think they're going to still continue to focus on like the main timeline that we've been following up to this point but that could be a way that they could work around it you know because now they still have killmonger as the black panther and then instead of having a potentially awkward like having to cg chadwick boseman in or have to come up with some reason as to why he like is passing on the black panther mantle or for some reason as to you know if he passes away off screen or something like instead of having to navigate that bridge if they just pick it up right after this episode which is canon anyway right and then just carry on and it just flows completely naturally that i don't think is that bad of an idea again i don't think it's going to happen it's not a prediction i would bet lots of money that that's not what's going to happen but it would solve a lot of issues with black panther 2 and it would do something really cool in tying what if directly into the mcu uh, i don't think that's a good idea but i also agree with you that i don't think it's that bad of an idea i don't know how they can tell like a main story especially a sequel for one of the most beloved movies in the mcu and have it be a separate timeline i mean i guess we don't know how the multiverse is going to shake out by the time black panther 2 comes out but i can't see them just doing an alternate timeline where it may not have an effect on mm -hmm. the rest of the mcu going forward especially if they're just going to leave you know the characters from the main timeline that we know like shuri and ramonda and okoye and nakia they're just going to leave them in the lurch completely as they tell a story from a different timeline so i we'll see i mean they could easily show up you know maybe maybe what shuri does is she open you know this alternate timeline shuri is smart enough to open a branch in the timeline to bring in main hero, main timeline MCU heroes to come and help. And maybe she brings in her, her other version of Shuri to help fight, you know, some something like that. I don't know. Again, it's not a prediction, and I totally agree with you that it would kind of drop the ball just randomly on all these other characters. But if the multiverse shakes out and we end up seeing multiple versions of every hero, or at least most heroes anyway, which we know is going to happen with Spider-Man at the very least, it doesn't seem like it'd be that crazy. To then maybe bring the current day Black Panther people into that or, or yada, 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 whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I, like I said, it, you know, I didn't think it was that good of an idea, but I also don't think it's that bad yeah. of one. So yeah. right in the middle of the road there. So I, <laughs> again, I feel like I've said it a hundred times this episode, but we'll wait, wait and see. see. Is that Black Panther 2, I believe is supposed to come out uh, first quarter of like 23. Yeah, so so we're about a year and a half away from that. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens with what if. We'll see what happens with everything. A final note on episode six here is I, I really hope that there's one at least one more episode with Iron Man in it um, over the course of the season and that he makes it out alive. He's been in three episodes so far and has died in all of them. And that just seems like incredibly bad luck for basically the main character of the MCU for the first three phases in the entire Infinity Saga. So right. he was in three so he and T'Challa are tied with three. I see yeah. corrected from before. Yeah, T'Challa clearly has had a much better go of it, even though, you know, he got slowly eaten by That's zombie true. Wanda in episode five. You know, he's still alive at the end of it. But for how much longer, who knows? Maybe we'll see the conclusion. Maybe we won't. But we'll be back to talk about episodes seven and eight, and we'll probably have a, a big episode on the finale by itself as we talk about the, you know, mm -hmm. season as a whole. And we still have to do our episodes on Black Widow and Shang-Chi. And we may oh, roll yeah. those into one episode together as well, maybe maybe one big one. But, you know, we're still trying to figure out our schedule here. 
been, been a busy time of year and, <laughs> yeah and and we'll oh. try to get our stuff together but i guess we'll wait and see about that too we'll have to rename our podcast to wait and see uh the amount of times i've said it here well we need we need a patreon and we need some sponsors so we can switch to do this full time so you guys can start getting episodes weekly slash daily so hey yeah if there's any like just fabulously wealthy patrons out there that want to you know have stumbled upon our podcast and they're like wow these guys are amazing i want to pay them full-time salaries to do this uh, as a career oh. we are completely open to that i would quit my job yesterday to do that please fabulously wealthy people listening to us i i beg of <laughs> thee hire us to do this full-time because we love talking about this stuff and it's a bummer when we can't find the time to do it, you know, when Absolutely. we want, and we would just love to do it more often. But we will be back in short order for our for our next couple, um, as seven and eight here come out within the next ten days. Um, we'll we'll be on top of that, and then, like I said, finale a week after. So lots of stuff moving here. Uh, we're about to hit kind of a oh, big yeah. movie season as well. Um, Shang Chi's already come out, but we have a ton of stuff coming out in October, mm-hmm. November, and December. So just a full gauntlet for us to run through and break down uh, and give our thoughts on. We just got the first trailer for Hawkeye, which I'm sure neither of us has watched, but it is out. So Hawkeye is Correct. coming for sure. And um, and the Wheel of Time etches closer and closer and closer, which is not MCU, but I'm more excited than any MCU thing remaining left in the year, except for Spider-Man, obviously. I was going to say, Spider-Man, Spider-Man is like at a different but level of hype Anything else, right anything else, Wheel of Time is, is number one. I'm still on book 12. Steve, I was reading yesterday when we were at the beach. <sighs> Some crazy stuff is going down. So I'm probably going to hop off this call now, do some editing, and then uh, sit down with that book for the rest of the night. So it'll be yeah. a good time. Well, we'll leave it at that, but we'll be, we'll be back soon with a, a breakdown of the next couple episodes and and uh and more to come in the future as as more content comes our way so we'll see you guys next time peace hey we're back steve this i'm gonna start that over okay that was fast